broadcasting live from Seagate on the plane of... It's not Zendikar. It's not Zendikar. It's the Prime Material plane. This is Tap Tap Concede. Hi, and welcome to Tap Tap Concede. I'm Cameron, and I'll be your host this week. Uh, you may notice Graham isn't here. That's entirely intentional. We are mixing things up a little bit and trying to get new people on. Um, join To that note, joining me this week, Ben Wheeler. Hi, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. And as always, Nelson. And I am also here. Hi. This podcast, along with many of our magic-related uh, contents, is brought to you by Card Kingdom. Cardkingdom.com slash LRR. Um, if you go and visit them and you put in the text box on your order form where you might also ordinarily put things like, we appreciate how fast your shipping is, um, you can put loading ready run sent me button please and you'll get a little one inch button that says is it still weird tap but okay it is weird tap but okay so yeah uh please consider visiting them and telling them how much you appreciate how hard they work we're today we're going to talk to you a bit about uh commander legends battle for Baldur's Gate. But first, we're going to thank the Patreons, right, at patreon.com forward slash loading ready run. Because I've been only... you also work hard at giving us your money, and we work hard at using it. I've only been doing this for years, and I guess I just kind of go through the intro on autopilot without really thinking about it. So yes, yeah. thank you to all of our patrons over on patreon.com. You did this. A special thank you to all of you, and a personal message to Graham. We haven't been, Cameron and I haven't been listening that whole time. No. No, it's been however many years of Graham running that intro, and yeah. we've never really heard it. Honestly, it's just kind of cobwebs up here. Mm. I've got like a wind tunnel. Oh. goes. Oh, that like must be refreshing. through my brain, That has that my brain would be. Like, that has to feel so good. Mm. Either that or it's a bit like, you know, when you when you take a COVID test and you swab, <laughs> like you're doing the total recall. Most people have like there's a point of resistance they have to feel, but I just have to keep going and like kind of get the corners. Yeah, yeah, here. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I have a monkey with symbols. Nice. Ooh. Keeps time. <laughs> yep. It's always good to know what time it is. Okay, but I would like to formally apologize for cutting you off, because you were telling no. us that we were going to talk about Baldur's Gate. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Commander Legends' Battle for Baldur's Gate, which we've had an opportunity to play a little bit of, um, and just kind of give our impressions of the set and the gameplay patterns that it kind of encourages. Because normally I'm not a huge Commander player, um, but this really intrigued me. And I wanted to start off by talking a bit about, like, the broader mechanics and how they push the game forward and encourage players to do things like take game actions. Oh, do love me a game action. And where I wanted to start with was initiative. Great. Um, initiative is a mechanic that... Uh, James, would you be able to bring up any card with initiative for us? Um, it's a bit like Monarch combined with Enter the Dungeon in that uh, many cards will say when this card enters the battlefield, you gain the initiative. Um, and the initiative is a object that is passed around between players that indicates that at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have the initiative, you get to draw a card. You get right? to venture into the dungeon. Right, but I thought, oh, right, you, oh, yes, sorry, you venture into the Underdark. Yeah. Or yeah. the Undercity, the Undercity, excuse me. 
sometimes that can look like drawing a card. Um, uh, and the Undercity is a lot like the dungeons in the previous uh, 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 Forgotten Realms set, only they're much better. <laughs> yeah, the Undercity is a new, more powerful dungeon. Right? Quite. Um, and... Once again, if you are if you have the initiative and you take damage during an attack, then the player who attacked you gets the initiative. So it gets passed around across the table, and it encourages a little bit of aggression. How how was your experience with it? Because mine was is that my experience was that uh, it really pushed players to do things instead of just passively like building up board stalls. Um, the power of the each step of the Undercity really kind of like made you not want to let your opponents have that or keep it for very long. Yeah, I would agree. It seemed like once someone has taken the initiative in the game once, it really encourages just everyone to kind of attack right from then mm. on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like what, the person whose turn who just had a turn says go and it's your turn and they have the initiative and it's like, okay, I want to attack the person who just had a turn. And that's like the play pattern that happened uh, pretty regularly in the one game I played. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, ben. Uh, I love it. It's great. Okay. It's, uh, it's really nice that you get the ability immediately. I think that that makes mm. people also make attacks knowing roughly like what they're going to get yes because if they attack and then somebody loses life or something gets bigger um or go to target they can make something that might you know normally punish them but now they can then operate off of you know this this new uh, information or board state and so it leads to these like you're not just doing it because it gets you up a card Mm -hmm. You're doing it because it like shifts where your board is at. Yes. And also progresses the game. Right. Like there are effects on the Undercity card, um, like put pl two plus one plus one counters on a creature. So you can make your plans based around that, right? Or go to creature. Like it, it isn't simply drawing a card or scrying a bit, although those effects are there. Yeah. Um, so it allows you to like strategize a little bit but honestly it really feels like you're hanging on to this thing by your fingernails at every opportunity because if the person to your left doesn't take it from you the person to their left will try so if you hang on to it through one player's turn you're going to be kind of attrited down attrited down you will experience attrition as everyone kind of yeah, comes what for is you. the verb form of attrition yeah thanks for pulling up the understudy here james so if you remember the afr dungeon rooms had like each room except for the bottom ones like when you get out it's usually like okay this is like casting a full spell like i get a four four mm -hmm. or uh i draw a card is like the the most tame one like the quickest one to get through is just i draw a card but um these rooms are all like instead of feeling like something that's tacked onto a spell most of these rooms are like a spell you would pay one or two mana for or more, mm -hmm. right? Like make a four one with menace. That's usually it's four good. mana, right? Yeah, like, good. like, yeah, like how do you get good. just a vanilla four one with menace? Can you get that for three mana? Probably eventually it will be, but two mana, that would be crazy. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. A like a, a four two, the four, the, 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 the common draft shash four yeah. two red 
like dude is like four mana. Yeah, exactly. Usually it's four mana. So and that's and that that's the fourth room on this one, but still the first one is lay of the land. Oh, so that's like a card that you like to put in your deck. Like that, it's a mm-hmm. fantastic. Like especially, especially the first time that someone gets the initiative, for sure, mm-hmm. everyone is trying to get the initiative. Yes, like you could write an entire paper on just what secret entrance does to smooth out a game. Yeah, what it does to the mana base too. Because yes. like if you are realistically in a four pod or four player pod, somebody is going to start taking the initiative right Mm -hmm. if it's not you it's going to be somebody else there and so i think that you can take that into consideration when you're deciding how many mana sources you want as well or like if you you know how wacky your mana is going to get or greedy to one color or to the other because you're like well i'm always going to get to lay the land at least probably Mm -hmm. around turn four or whatever which is like when people start to get a little greedy with their mana bases, especially for a commander, that's when they kind of stop as they're like, oh, I hit my fourth land and then I just didn't draw another land, which in commander is bad. Mm-hmm. You want to get mm-hmm. up to like land 20, right? Yeah, like yeah. Eight. Yeah. Yeah. eight is kind of yeah. the minimum where you feel comfortable, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I agree. It's like you still need to play lands in your deck, obviously, to so you make your first several land drops and stuff, but you can splash any number of your third color or your fourth color off just one basic because the secret answer is going to get you there. The other thing is like, you can't, I totally agree with your statement earlier that like someone in all these commander legends drafts game draft games, someone's going to take the initiative at, at some point. And then because it has this monarch like quality, the cat's out of the bag. You have to be one of the people that's getting value out of the Undercity because it's just sort of better than most of what the decks are trying to do. I would say not like not way better than every, uh, synergy you can find in the draft environment but just like if everyone else is doing it and you're not that's i think yeah. a problem like honestly i i would think you could probably survive a game of commander legends in which you personally ignore whoever has the initiative and just do your own thing it's not absolutely backbreaking by any stretch of the imagination but it is a shiny and somebody else has something and i think commander players are very used to the idea of evaluating threats poorly (laughs) yeah right right. like hey they're getting something and i'm not i'm gonna windmill into their board and ruin their life this is like a recur this is going to be a recurring thing for this set and Mm -hmm. the mechanics and the cards and everything is that it solves a huge issue with commander and especially with less enfranchised players that use commander as their entrance mm-hmm. is they don't like losing their things. Yes. Even if ultimately they'll come out on top. And so, uh, this will push them either from the words as you go through the inner city or just the idea of, Ooh, shiny thing mm-hmm. to take game actions where they're like, Oh, I can't believe I'm going to lose a token, but it's worth it. And it's like, yeah, you're hitting them for 10 and you <laughs> lose a soldier. Like, yes. yeah, but it's, it's weird to think of that as something that like, of course you do it, but no, people go like, well, if I attack with my three, three and they block with their three, three, we're going to both lose our three threes. Well, nobody wins. I uh, go, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no commander legends draft games. Uh, end after no one attacks for yeah. 20 turns. Right. Which like is how some real commander, uh, draft or commander games go yeah um i say that now i feel like i'm gonna look back and someone's gonna because someone's gonna show me they're (laughs) they're gonna figure out a way to kill everyone with mill um but yeah game actions it's fantastic 
I started talking for some reason and then forgot what else I was going to say. <laughs> oh, right. Sorry. One more thing. I just want to say, even if you don't plan on using the Undercity in your draft deck as your main focus, I still think it's worth putting whatever cards you can that say take the initiative because someone's going to get it started, we, we mentioned earlier, and it's just really nice some turns to not have to attack and mm-hmm. play one of your take the initiative cards to just get it back on your side and get the next chapter. Yeah. Because some of these chapters are really powerful. There, were, There's a card... It's just a common, and it's a like a five mana or six mana three six vigilance. Take the initiative. Rather white one. Yeah. yeah, and it's just big. It's just got a huge butt, but it takes the initiative. Yes, and so well, like getting to do that while building to the board and doing in such a way that like is very difficult to remove is such a feel good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like this card a lot. And it's just like I I don't know if that's where I'd want to be. Like that's not a card that I play and go like yes now i'm a take the initiative deck mm-hmm. but having it in a deck that isn't like you know just wants a top end or whatever felt great it's like uh i need to rebuild mm-hmm. well it's it's just a very also like well-named mechanic right because yeah. take the initiative is an imperative right you want to have the strategic initiative in a game where you are the one deciding where and when combat happens and who is being attacked and you want to be setting up your own defensive defenses kind of proactively with the understanding that people are going to come after you for this if they don't have a card that says take the initiative. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just feels like a way of keeping these games moving and a much more graceful way of breaking up board stalls than something like, I don't know, Annihilator, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's more fun if there's something shiny that everyone gets to chase around, chase mm-hmm. after, rather than just some like brutal attack bonus um, that, right. that gets going to kill one player more. Yes, right. This is like the more fun version, right? Yeah, it almost feels like in Plane Chase there was a plane called was it just Shiv? Yeah, that's one of them. Where um, every every turn it did an amount of damage, like an increasing amount of damage, but the player to your left took one more damage than you did. So it right. disincentivized you from trying to plane, planeswalk away from it. Right. Because... It's a payoff if you don't. Yeah, if you don't, then the person to your left is getting hit just a little bit harder than you. You could stop it. <laughs> but surely somebody else will 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 decide to stop it before it comes back to you, right? I hope sure. we're getting another plane chase set soon. Well, that would be kind of cool. I know I joked before about how I wanted to be on the plane shift plane or whatever of D and D, but any any more plane chase stuff would be sweet. That yeah. that product is awesome. Um, yeah, agreed. Do we want to talk a little bit about uh, the effect of goad in the format? Sure. Yeah, the presence of goad. Um, so goad is a mechanic that says that a um, it. <laughs> It forces a creature to attack, and it forces a creature to attack somebody other than you, if possible. Uh, and it appears on a bunch of, of cards. Like, there's a kobold that, when it attacks, goads something the defending player controls. And this kobold isn't making it home to its kids, but <laughs> neither is whatever it, <laughs> it decides to, to, to provoke into attacking. Um, so... This can also really ruin um, somebody who's kind of playing commander like you play StarCraft, right? Right. Where, you know, you have a bunch of players doing their own thing and then one person playing SimCity. 
love goad. Yeah, it's great. Mm-hmm. I like goad a lot too. I've I've seen I attack a lot in commander. My mm-hmm. favorite commanders are ones that attack. You know, mono white boros that kind of thing. Um, and I am a huge fan of goad for the same reasons of like incentivizing or at sometimes even just like forcing people that don't want to attack mm-hmm. to attack. But not in a way of like, no, 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 you're going to do this and you're going to like it. It's like, you're going to do this and, hey, it's a multiplayer political game, right? right? Like, it feels there's an extra layer on it that kind of dashes away this, like, pushing someone to do something that they don't necessarily want to do. So it's not a huge feel bad all the time. And then it's really nice to see a mechanic that, like, shows that other people at the table care about attacking mm-hmm. if that makes sense because well, like often when you're the player when you're the like isamaru player or whatever right. like you're the person that's like my deck attacks and that's all it does sometimes you feel like you've brought i don't know what's a really awkward thing to bring to like a potluck <laughs> like the, um uh, twister the hot spot uh <laughs> it's like you know a summer potluck and you bring like yeah. Some dish that is totally out there, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, I got the wrong memo here." Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, you you you've shown up with like, I don't know, um, cheese fondue in the middle of summer. Yeah, yeah, and right. and so having other people actually start to care about combat mm-hmm. is kind of neat. It I don't feel as though it um, it lessens my decisions as mm-hmm. a. Uh, person looking to end lives but instead makes me have to like now i have this different puzzle right yes and now i have also this idea of like well this is goaded how do i like configure my turn so that this is actually beneficial right Right. yeah um and i think that it goes all the way back to deck construction where you are drafting knowing that goad is going to be abundant in the format and that you will be expected to attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, combat um, tricks in this format are good. Yes. And, you know, you, you can goad something very important to a player and they can do everything in their power to protect it and you might not be able to kill it because they might just have to empty their hand to preserve something that's important to them. Yeah, most of the goads I saw, like... It wasn't so much I need to kill that, although that would be nice. Like, you would think that the main purpose of Goat is, like, target a small creature, it can't attack me, and someone else is going to block it and kill it, and it's going to take care of that creature. But just as often, it's like, okay, there's this one scary thing. Someone does have a battle cruiser, and we need to, like, keep me alive, so I'm just going to Goat it so it attacks someone else. Yeah. And I don't care if they kill the attacking creature. I don't care if the attacking creature dies. This is just me on survival mode, and I'm using Goat to, like, try to untap. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also really want to see um, a goad. I want to see a creature with goad get goaded, right? Because that way, at least it's not attacking you. Mm -hmm. Right. That's funny. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, you've just caused havoc. I agree, though. Like, you know, you you look at the mechanic, you think, okay, it's going to do this one thing. But then it actually it gives back more like like goad. Goad is a fun mechanic for everybody, even when your stuff gets goaded and like your creatures are going to die in combat. It provides you with this interesting experience where you're like, OK, Cameron goaded me. So I have to attack Wheeler with that creature. But maybe my other creatures are going to attack Cameron back out of spite or like like you said, new puzzles like, OK, now that I have this creature or that creature goaded what is my best turn now? Like, how can I profit yeah. from this somehow? How can I make an attack 
uh, even though it's not the one I was planning on last turn, I make an attack that somehow benefits me and comes back around to help me. I I also like that I, I think it kind of normalizes or at least says like, hey, this is okay yeah. to, uh, like it mm. unlocks the option of player removal or the threat of player removal mm-hmm. as a way to get rid of something that'll kill you or everyone else. Like, right. And that sounds kind of weird, but like, again... Commander games need to end. Commander yes. games need to end. <laughs> yeah, like, well, like the, we've been we've been like up on this soapbox for a while, but like the, it, clearly the designers and, agree with us. <laughs> and like people also like it kind of feels bad. I'm guilty of it myself too. Like you know, after playing Commander all these years, sometimes it's like I don't want to kill this person, <laughs> right? Like yeah, because yeah, exactly. this game's you're, going on for another 15 minutes or so. Yeah, yeah, you're just standing there like the kid in the stock photo- stock photograph, right? With, <laughs> yeah, like crying, <laughs> yeah. right? <laughs> The good news is, at least in in games from this set, it seems like from the limited amount of experience we've had, it seems like once one peg falls, the you know, the other dominoes fall pretty quickly too. Like right. I don't think anybody had to wait more than twenty minutes, um, from what we've seen. So probably even if you're the one who's first out, you know, your friends are going to be ready for another game soon. Right. Um. And just the ambient presence of these mechanics in the set means that like there is a kind of plausible deniability to it even though i've i keep saying this about commander games and it never actually seems to pan out right like hey sorry i didn't mean to like have to attack you but my creature was goaded right and you would think in a rational environment most people would be like yeah no i get it that just happens in this environment where all of these things are, are playing with each other but in the moment i'm like yeah but the, you played a creature that could get goaded <laughs> right therefore bloody vengeance how will dare be mine. you yeah right. you played a creature that attacked well um <laughs> you had two other choices still <laughs> like, yeah I don't... yeah i don't i don't know what to tell you here just remember you could have just conceded to me as soon as we sat down <laughs> <laughs> why didn't you kill my two enemies and then concede mm-hmm um, so those are kind of the two mechanics that I really like caught my eye and that I was impressed by. I would, in, I would talk format. about background. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, previous commander ledge, it's funny, like, you know, we talked about it a bit, but I feel like the whole world could probably use more original commander legends content too. And it's like, it, it did have Monarch which to kind of fuel the same sort of, um, situations that the initiative fuels and i think it might have had goat i don't actually remember but goat has been around before in conspiracy so that we've seen both those mechanics um and kind of how they help multiplayer games now this is more about the draft the first commander legends set had a whole bunch of partners at uncommon and rare i think yep and so usually you could aim to be a three color deck by having like a gold partner with with another party, were you usually were, two. There weren't any gold did you partners. have to be okay? Did you? Because I, I had a three color deck, but I had a rare. But I thought there was two ways to do it. And last one, no. Okay, so no. you were a two color deck, or you could be a three color deck if you found one of several rare. Yeah, there were three color ones. Yeah. Now in in AFR Commander Legends or Baldur's Gate Commander Legends, there's only a few um, three color gold ones. Like maybe yeah. they're mythic, or there's just not as many. I think in the rare slots, certainly we didn't see as many. So instead of having a bunch of uncommon partners that are one color each. You have a bunch of one color legendary uh, background characters. So they're a legendary creature that say choose a background. Um, And instead of Prismatic Piper, you have the Faceless One, Mm -hmm. who Mm -hmm. is a five mana, three, three generic uh, mana cost. So a colorless uh, legendary creature that says choose a color. This can be your commander. 
and choose a background. So this will give you, and you don't have to draft this just like the Prismatic Piper. So this will give you the option to have a commander, although you still have to draft your background. So it's a mm -hmm. bit more of a constraint. In Commander Legends, the first one, you were allowed to just name two Prismatic Pipers, one red, one blue, <laughs> and then you didn't have to bother drafting a commander at all. In Baldur's Gate, if you don't pick a background that's the color you want to play, or one of the colors you want to play, you have to play a one-color deck, uh, which can also work out. You can play a one-color deck for sure. <laughs> huh? What do you well, mean? <laughs> that actually impressed me um, in that uh, because you're always drafting two cards, you can kind of aggressively play the cutting colors uh, strategy in the draft right and you can wind up with very like like uh, 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 I feel it is possible to wind up with a playable monocolor deck in this format for sure absolutely oh yeah yeah you can be one color it's okay <laughs> um, the other thing is that because you, you know you have to do at least a little bit of work and the backgrounds are all like kind of specific mm -hmm. and they only work when your commander's out so the backgrounds I would say like they're neat. It's interesting design space, but they're a bit powered down from partner yes. um, for a couple reasons. <laughs> one is just what the backgrounds do. Like uh, none of them, I think, are as powerful as like some of the, the commanders with partner and some of the most powerful partner. Commanders. Yeah, partner's a little busted. Partner's pretty mm -hmm. strong, yeah. right? The other thing is just inherently about partner. You have two creatures that um, are your commander, each with their own separate tax. And that's the same in the new set with your commander or your background but you generally only have to play your background once unless someone feels like taking it out with their like overcosted reclamation stage it's just going to chill and so your commander tax stacks more quickly like to get a creature that can deal commander damage or like turn on other things that require creatures like attacking or playing mm -hmm. pump spells playing equipment whatever it is to get a creature you have to pay two more each time like a regular commander from before partner whereas with partner you can alternate them so that like your commander tax increases at kind of half the rate that it typically would. Yeah, that's actually an interesting thought. Like also that a background might paint a larger target on your commander. For sure. Yep. Yeah, because <laughs> your background doesn't do anything unless your commander's on the table. Yeah, you don't need you don't need specialized enchantment removal yeah. for the background if you can just murder their commander again. Yeah, just goad it and block it with your death touch or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so. Both of these, I think, make an, an impact on the set that, that turns out. Like, I think if you take the AFR uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate commander decks and jam them against, like, the Commander Legends um, decks in the first round, I think Commander Legends overall is a bit more powerful. Mm -hmm. But I still think this is really well-designed and fun. But it's something to keep in mind when you're doing background. Yeah, I, I mean, I think background has a lot of interesting implications outside of this draft environment too. Like sure. they're just good in the 99 a lot of the times. So. Yeah. No, they're cool um, enchantments. Yeah. And they let, they allow for a lot of um, focus on utility where players normally wouldn't like, they, they kind of put the emphasis on your commander. Uh, uh, even when they are the effects that say like your commander has, other creatures you control get blank or right. whatever. And so it thematically it feels kind of cool of like all my dorky little things need this commander that just makes them better. And then all of a sudden I'm getting a bunch of value, but I still feel like I have to play out the card that, you know, my deck is named after. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that feels really nice. Um, yeah. And also the, the backgrounds 
with them being so hyper-specialized, you can do things like play... The ones I saw going around were a lot of, like, actually aristocrat or black-red sacrifice-themed. Oh, yeah. Um, so you didn't need to pick up an aristocrat commander. You just needed a body that could pick up a background. And suddenly, you know, you put the different hat on them, and now they're they're an aristocrat, which yeah. I really appreciated. No, yeah, that, that background you picked up that turns your commander into a blood artist was pretty cool. For sure. Um, I think in the draft the background mechanic made finding a commander or a commander background pair more work. Like hmm. uh, I only got to do two first commander legends drafts, but both times when I was drafting, I felt like, okay, uh, I'm getting this powerful card, that powerful card. Okay. This commander's here. It's in a color of one of the things I took. I'll take that. Cause it's, it's probably fine in the 99 two or the, the 59 or whatever, or the 58. Um, and so like going through the draft in first commander legends, it felt like, there will be time. Don't don't fret. Like maybe one person in the pod. I think like Surge when we were drafting at the at the theater in third pack still didn't have a commander, but then then got one or whatever. I think that's a Surge thing. <laughs> Sounds like I a think Surge that's thing. Just a Surge thing. Yeah, <laughs> you can't play those kitchen finks, and you got to remember to draft a commander. Um, <laughs> but like most everybody, it, it felt like had the same story I did, where it was like after pack two they had a commander or a partner pair, and then by pack three it was like oh actually I have this other option. Whereas my draft. Uh, of Baldur's Gate was like pack one. I had no options whatsoever. I didn't see any um, legendary creatures that went along with like the first few powerful cards I took. I could have like veered off and grabbed like, you know, a green white commander when I was like black red or whatever, but I didn't cause I knew I had two more packs. And then pack two, I like, I, I spent several picks getting commanders because first I found like a background that was at least the right color and then I found like a legendary creature that was good. And then I found a better background and then I found a gold c- creature in the same color. So it was like my first like eight picks mm. or my mm-hmm. first like you know, four sets of like grabbing two cards. It was like my pack get two more powerful cards. And then for the next four passes, I'm like slowly upgrading what my commander is. And like, it just felt like it was a lot more dedicated effort to getting the commander than the first time. Okay didn't have that problem hi okay i first picked a commander and then just locked in yeah, yeah. No, that's sweet I, okay i i i first picked a commander in the color that i was hoping to play and i also was able to pick a background in an archetype that i was interested in um but like just being able to at least take the pressure off of m- not having to worry that i wouldn't have a commander even though the commander that i did pick up wasn't necessarily the one I wanted for my archetype. But at least right. I had that problem solved, right? right. At least I, I knew that I would be able to play the game. It'll it'll take more, you know, drafts of that format to really figure this out. But my my feeling, um, after talking to, you know, everybody that was right. in the draft, uh, and my experience, it feels like I think there should be a, a greater emphasis on drafting your commander and then drafting around that. Mm-hmm. As opposed to the traditional of like, this is a good card, I'm going to pick it. This is another very good card in my color, I'm going to pick it. Like, I don't think your cards need to be that good. Sure. Or like, I, like mm. because they're all pretty good, if that makes sense. No, for like, sure. No, yeah. I agree. Like, figuring out which, which were the playables I was cutting was tough, too. Like, you kind of just made curve decisions because the power level is, it's not totally flat, but... 
the bad cards are still pretty good. Yeah, the bad like the bad yeah. cards all still like they're I almost and I don't feel bad for magic cards ever. But I feel bad calling them bad. Like because sure. they're just like no, actually that's pretty good. Like even again that kind of dumpy knight. Okay, well that's a little rude. The, <laughs> the big white What did you knight, call me? Uh, uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> the one that takes the initiative. It's just like Oh yeah. I wasn't thinking about playing that card in deck building until I got to the end where I'm like, well, this card's probably fine. Yeah, we've barely talked about any specific cards in this podcast, but one of the ones we called out is five mana, three, six, vigilance. Yeah, like, and this right. isn't normally, like, something oh. you're so hyped yeah, for. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> five <laughs> right. mana, three, six, vigilance. Okay, like, I remember this card from uh, reprinted in Modern Masters where it had, you know, it was the one with plane cycling from... Sure. Oh, uh, Noble Templar. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, what if Noble Templar, instead of plane cycling, had Lay of the Land? Cameron, please. Seems, seems pretty wild, this right? This is a video medium. <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another That's... another card that we usually see last picked in drafts is Panic Attack. And I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of this one, but I think it's still just three mana. Oh. And and the Panic Attack in this set yeah. is still a common. It's Red. so good. It's not, you know, it's it's unassuming. It's a, it's a sorcery. Sometimes it'll win if you're in a 1v1 and you can attack for lethal. But this one also goads the creatures you target. Somebody tweeted about this earlier yeah. today. So oh, really? like, well, yeah. yeah, and it was like a pretty impactful card in the, the games we played. Yeah. I think Adam played it. Three things can't block and then goad them. Right. Yeah. right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Coronation, Coronation of, of chaos. chaos. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Oh my God. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Goading three creatures in a full commander game is pretty powerful. Well, like at least in this format, mm-hmm. if yeah. the defending player lives, sure. Right. Like yeah. This yeah. It has two modes, right? Yeah. You can yeah. either like kill someone or you can kill everyone. <laughs> it's like take the initiative. Then at least you know soft guarantee that they won't take the initiative back, and might in fact make attacks that will push the other players into positions where they are unable to take the initiative. Mm-hmm, right. And so like, if you say your big things can't block, I'm going to take the initiative, and then their big things have to fight the other two players, and they might not want to take heaps of damage or lose their creatures or whatever. Um, and so they use resources. And then they're like, okay, well, now either I can't take the initiative back or these other two players can try to take the initiative, but then the pressure is just on them now. Now they like they just took a bunch of damage and now there's a big target over their head. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, oh, that's just good magic. Yeah, that's I mean, good this, commander, this right? card like, is like extremely like, yeah, thinker, like, like, you know. Go ahead and write your essays about what you do in different board states with this card, which is kind of incredible because if you take away the the sentence goad them and it's like usually still the same mana cost for a card that's been printed with a few different names over the years, it usually only shows up in like stead of a 17th land and like a hyper aggro mono red deck with a bunch of bad creatures. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's the only other place that you see this. And it's like the opposite of, a, um, you know, a subtle and varied and an interesting card because you just either like cast it and win the game or you die with it in your hand mm-hmm. uh, and feel bad about including it in your deck. So yeah, well done on designing this card. Watsy staff. Out, actually. Yeah, yeah. No, the, you're, you're absolutely right about this one. I love yeah. it. Um, one other thing I just wanted to mention briefly was that the RNG cards in this set feel like they benefited tremendously from AFR um, in that mm. the, the, the roll of dice cards in AFR felt kind of conservative, like they right. weren't sure of the power level of them. 
and here they feel like they've they're comfortable being a little weirder with them. Did they always give us something for a 20 this time? I think so. Yeah. Well, like no, everyone no, I there, looked there's at. A, there's a bunch that are like 1 to 14 and then 15 to 20. Okay. Right. right. Um, but, 15 to 20 still feels like yeah, it's satisfying. I just didn't like the ones that were like, I don't know, 1 to 10 and then 11 to 20. If there yes. was space on the card, I really like if they're like 11 to 19. Because <laughs> <laughs> some of them did it, right? Yeah. But not all of them. Yeah. Well, like, I, I don't. I don't have a specific card to shout out here, which is because I did not prepare. Um, <laughs> but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it felt a bit like the differences in the conspiracies between conspiracy and conspiracy take the crown. Right. Just right. a lot more subtlety. Yeah. Like they were more confident in the design space mm. and less afraid of it breaking the game in some fundamental way. Like in the original conspiracy, the conspiracies might be like, you know, name a creature, all of creatures of that name get plus one, plus one. Right. And then in conspiracy two, you had just kind of like stranger, subtler effects. And the RNG cards in this feel like that. Do we have a very quick moment yeah. to discuss my favorite part of the set? Let's Absolutely. do it. Adventure. Nice. Yes. Love adventure. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, adventure's back. One of my favorite way. mechanics. Uh, and God, it's not an Eldraine, so it's even better. <laughs> and yeah. all the adventure they cards. They feel strong. They feel kind of They're pushed, so good. But not Questing Beast pushed. But they're not, yeah, it's not like Brazen Borrower push sort yeah. of thing, you know? Right. Um, and they are, again, much like Goad, much like uh, Take the Initiative, they are going to get commander players that um, fall under a certain set of stereotypes where they're like only play big thing me care only about myself mm-hmm. you know yeah they're going to push them to start playing utility spells and interaction because your naturalize is now also going to get you like a five six vigilance or mm. you're going to get a flyer out of it that makes more tokens um, there's a one card it's called it's something like hippogriff uh, it's got it's three and a white for a two, three flyer. When it attacks, something else gets flying. That's just like right. a very baseline limited card. But then the adventure, Tears Blessing, is one white target creature gains uh, indestructible until end of turn. Hmm. And it's so easy to just like make these attacks. They block in a certain way. And you're like, okay, indestructible, yeah. which is not like probably the best case, uh, best use of these kind of cards. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to get someone with like a Doom Blade on the stack or whatever. But. You're fine doing that because you're going to just get to play this 2-3 later. It'll yeah. help push more damage and take the initiative back. Yeah, it's like pseudo-haste for the one extra mana, right? Like my 2-3 yeah. that uh, is going to block this turn or I'm passing as it'll be able to block also helped me to push through, um, you know, for the, the this turn's attack. Yeah. So, yeah. very cool. Love these cards. They're so good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure we'll have more time to talk about our favorite commander legends cards um in one of the upcoming weeks as well yeah Mm -hmm. i think we might actually just have a bit of a shorter podcast this week and um we want to remind and any any closing thoughts i just want to quickly quickly jump in here and let people know what they can expect with the set from us because obviously we're we're talking about having played it recently and we did mention on the podcast a few weeks back and we've been talking about it as as sort of publicly as possible that there is obviously no pre-pre-release for this event because that would have happened like today or tomorrow as we're recording this um but what we did do is earlier in the week is we recorded a couple games uh we brought in shivam we brought in alias v and six of us and we drafted it and we recorded a couple games and those games are going to probably go up 
Uh, my guess is around release, uh, hopefully like the day before. Um, and the, the plan on our end is to, to obviously edit these things down into YouTube versions. And then I think we're going to try to stream them on Twitch so we can watch them all together. It should just be a lot of fun. So that's what you can expect with uh, Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate from us. I just mm-hmm. wanted to mention that. All right. Well, uh, any other closing thoughts? I think if you want to get yourself some Battle for Baldur's Gate, you might consider heading on over to <laughs> carding.com forward slash LRR and let them know we sent you and whether or not you have any closing thoughts. Oh, also, if in the comments you could let us know what the most awkward thing to bring to a summer barbecue is. Ooh, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. With, within I, within a certain amount of discretion here. Okay, I, I once brought my cold kale vegan soup. Okay. <laughs> and it was great because I got it all. Oh no! Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I wish I was there. Yeah, no. It, it it's actually quite lovely. I'll, Sounds yummy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. next week, all next time, all three of us are on a podcast. I'm hosting. I'll bring some. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but seriously, uh, ask them for uh, any sealed uh, product from recent sets if you're in the states, or any singles from anywhere. Buy singles, and if you let them know that we sent you an ask for a button, you'll get a button that says "Weird Tap, but okay." Mm-hmm. And as always, this is brought to you also. By you, the viewer over at patreon.com slash loading ready run, where your direct support of this and all of our content makes this and all of our content possible. Mm-hmm. Pays for our coffee. Pays for, yeah. And it, our rent. Yeah. Our the, the photons you see bouncing off of us are funded in part by you. You did this. All That's right. photons. <laughs> nice. It's all photons just bouncing off the room. Somebody edits, the, edits these and someone else gets them online. Yes. So, okay. <laughs> I have been Cameron. I want to thank Ben Wheeler. Hello. I want to thank Nelson. I was here. James is on tech. Bye. Um, uh, and, and Heather gets these online. So Jordan edits them, maybe? Is Someone edits them. Someone edits them. Someone from Lur, thank you for listening to me. Thank you, even though I didn't yeah. know your name. I I'm competent. Wheeler oh, no, <laughs> edits them. I, He's oh, the best. I've been doing this for three years. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. Oh, I didn't know we had an editor. Okay. Um, okay, this is over. Get out of my house. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>